Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You have offended this podcast and you have offended the entire movie making community. Now if any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say... found it this is you have offended this podcast we are the biggest the baddest and the best martial arts movie podcast kicking around these parts of the internet my name is mike mccarran and with me as always is a man who once had to return from the netherworld to avenge a terrible crime chad Lindsay, how are you buddy yeah, some asshole froze my family. Oh, yeah. For the Lin Kuei. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Not much, man. Uh, I spent the week and the day reading up on this movie and uh, getting through it a couple of times. I, I did not get tired of watching Lady Snowblood. I dig this movie. I really liked it. And one of the things that it just really reminded me of, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but there are incredible action martial arts sci-fi and horror films with female protagonists and they are exceptional and hollywood is kind of doing this thing now where they're like we've got a female lead like they're acting as if this hasn't happened before do you know what i mean like yeah female lead yeah like women were invented like in 2018 (laughs) they're just like oh now we got a woman and finally we got women and there's there's look some of my favorite films have female leads and this one is one of those films with a female lead that is just awesome yeah this movie's really really good the story's good the acting is good the martial arts are good man like this movie throws down when when the swords come out oh yeah it is really good and visually this movie is stunning like stylistically this movie's really really good stylistically the the music the the soundtrack the i don't the it this is a revenge film so each one of the revenge is i mean it just feels really good it feels really good every time she takes revenge you're just like yes it's there's a there's a satisfaction as the film goes and it throws you for a little loop and then it comes around and delivers man i i really enjoyed it i like this we should also mention off the top how many times we're going to say the name quentin tarantino in this podcast because damn does he take stuff from this movie well he takes stuff from everything like you know his thing is the 60s and 70s so there's a lot like especially kill bill uh you'll see a lot of this but westerns and he he does do a lot of well, we'll call it homage. We'll call it homage. We'll call it homage sorry. for the time being, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is a dope movie, so let's get into it. Right off the bat, we'd like to always thank our patron, Mike. Thanks, brother. You're Ruola. If you would like to become a patron of the podcast and help us keep doing what we love to do, you can go to patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast. There are five different levels there. You can help us out by pitching in. Even if $5 a month will get you access to all of our full podcasts, which you will love. If you don't want to have a monthly recurring expense, you can go to offendedpodcast.com and you can buy a piece of merch there. That way you get something cool and we get a bit of money too. And uh, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can help us out by following us on social media. You can search at YHOTP on Twitter 
and on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can just look for You Have Offended This Podcast. Follow us there. Give us reviews on iTunes or wherever you, you download us. That would be super helpful. Recommend us to your friends, your enemies, your dogs, your pets, whoever. All right, so let's roll right into Lady Snowblood from 1973. So we get the opening scene of, of Oyuki, Lady Snowblood, being born to the mom, and she's in prison, and we kind of don't know what's happening at this point. But then we get the non-linear kind of flash forward to her being in her wicked kimono out in the snow and her and her uh, umbrella trying to face down one of her accusers here. And th- this scene's cool. Yeah, man. these guys come along on a, on a rickshaw. The umbrella is amazing. So she's basically using this umbrella. She's hiding behind it. She's, you know, they can't see her movements. She slices a guy's fucking arm <laughs> off right at the beginning. Like the guy's in the rickshaw and he's just like, hey, woman, get out of the road. And she just kind of ducks behind her umbrella. He goes over to investigate and slices his arm <laughs> off. And it's that old color blood that asian bright 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 red blood which really contrasts well against the snow and you know she's got the kimono with the butterflies on it and she just makes real short work of the guards and then of course the guy in the rickshaw he's on the ground bleeding and he's like who are you and she's like revenge like it's really good so great and the the blood you know the blood sprays out of dude's neck when she cuts his neck onto the wall it's it's violent and graphic and great it's that real you know pumping out those exploitation movies but the japanese version it's really good you yeah. see again i'm gonna come up again and say the quentin tarantino you really see where he got the influence for lucy Liu's character in in uh yeah in kill bill oren ishii oren ishii right um She's wearing, he gets the close-up of the geta, her, her wooden sandals there, in the snow, which Quentin focuses on in Kill Bill, and the white kimono, and then the contrast of the the bright, like you said, the bright red blood against the snow. That contrast looks great. So cinematically, it mm. looks tremendous. Oh, cinematically, this film is beautiful. Like, and that's, like, it's so beautiful, and it's so violent, and just really pulls you in that opening scene is really well you have kind of two opening scenes of you know the baby being born and then after she dispatches all these guys they have just that tight pull on her and she reveals her name is lady snowblood and the music obviously tarantino took the music as well that he used in kill bill a lot of the a lot of the music in this film was uh used in kill bill which which was sung by the lead actress meiko kaji that's her singing it. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. He, she was she also had a, a bit of a recording career in Japan, and this is her singing a, a song called Shura no Hana, which which English translates to Flower of Carnage, <laughs> which is which yes. is fucking well, great. <laughs> that is accurate, and it's actually kind of cool because she did the song here, the two songs for this movie, and then when, as you said, Quentin took it and used he used this song in kill bill part one and he uses a a separate song for kill bill part two but when he reused those songs it sort of made a renewed interest in her and her music and she recorded new music for the first time in like 30 years after kill bill came out which was kind of cool it's kind of a nice little resurrection of a career for her not that she needed it she's been acting steadily since the 60s and is still acting today (laughs) in, in 2021 good on her yeah 
Well, while that song is playing, that beautiful song, and it's talking about the sadness and, you know, giving up her womanhood and all these different things, uh, she's out amongst the bamboo, and she is just slicing through that bamboo. And I don't know the the whole story behind it or how it was done, but like, it looks like she is legitimately just like chopping through that bamboo. It looks amazing. It looks really good. Yeah. I'm not sure how they did it, but she does a very good job of slicing and the bamboo falls apart and falls over and stuff in this forest. It looks great. There's, there's very few things in my mind, more cinematic than a beautiful bamboo forest. It looks so great. Yeah. And she's chopping the shit out of it. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) So she ends up, she does that little training montage or practice montage, which is great. And uh, she goes into this, we come to this new little section here where she, Oyuki, goes into this village. And the the contrast of her in her perfect white kimono with the beautiful design, she's perfectly made up. And just these raggedy ass village of the damn yeah. villagers. <laughs> dirt floors there's dude with like literally no legs on the on the ground like it's great it's very cool the contrast is stark and i think that's what they want well and of course we we learn that you know she's actually seeking revenge and these people are completely destitute because of this criminal network that basically bankrupted all these small little villages but they are destitute and kind of lost their way and uh, basically decide that they're just going to kind of take her, I guess. Have their way with her, and if yeah. not, then they're going to kill her. These dudes, seven or eight laughing, maniacal dudes, take her out into the forest here and are like, hey, let's pass her around. Ha <laughs> ha. And you can see her like, okay, I'm going to have to kill all these fucking assholes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to soak this forest floor in yeah. blood. So <laughs> you, you fuckers might want to rethink your yeah. course of action. The here. population <laughs> of your village is about to go down <laughs> drastically, sir. <laughs> Sirs. And it's funny. She takes her umbrella out here. This fight scene's great. Like she's, it's not really a fight scene. It's an intimidation scene, but the beauty of her using her umbrella and she's just about to take the sword out of the handle of her yes. umbrella and lay waste to these fucking dudes. Yes. When Matsuemon here, the leader, comes out and is like, what are you assholes yeah. doing? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. On the subtitles, it's... he says, how dare you act like stray dogs in heat? Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And he just lays verbal waste to them and tells them to shut the fuck up and get out of here. And don't you know who this person is? And Genzo Shibuyama, that ruthless asshole who did all the damage, she's going to help us. So, or she's the one who killed him, I should say. Mm. This guy looks crazy with his giant sheepskin. Yeah, he does. Like Throw rug over his shoulder and his six teeth, you know, scattered about in his mouth. Yeah. (laughs) What's that old joke? He's missing so many teeth, it looks like his tongue's in jail. Like, he's he's at that level. (laughs) He's just got old Champa left. Yeah. So, Oyuki here goes into Matsuimon and... She is asking him to use his network of people throughout the land here to find Benzo Takemura and Gishiro Tsukamoto and Okono Kitahama, who are the three people left that she needs to get revenge upon 
for the rape and killing of her father and the, the whole situation with her mom when she died uh, after she killed one of the guys that, that raped her and, and uh, took her, I guess, prisoner, if you want to say. Yeah, her mother. Yeah. So she finds Matsuemon here, and she is based, She's like I said, she's just asking him to use his people to help her find these people that she wants to kill. And in doing that, it will also help the village because, as you said earlier, these are the people who are swindling and using this uh, draft scam to enrich themselves and take money from the, the smaller villages, which is leaving these people destitute. Yeah, basically going and saying, yeah, you, you can buy your way out of the draft and basically collecting all the money that they possibly can and then just fucking off and going to the next town. Yeah, exactly. So her, her acting in this scene is really good. She is a tremendous actress. Mm. I I never in this movie, as crazy as it gets, I'm always in with her. Like, I never like, oh, come on. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's never a moment where I lose interest or I lose focus on what kind of her mission is. Yeah, I think she does a fantastic job at, like, she draws you in. Her Her screen presence is incredibly strong. And yeah. Even when she doesn't, even when she's not fighting or even when she's not delivering lines, they have these close up shots or close medium shots where she's just kind of staring. And it's yeah. just with this like little smoldering intensity that that really pulls you in. And she's incredibly believable in this film. Like you feel yeah, she, for her throughout the entire film. You really do. Yeah, you really do. She's got this little like glaze on her eyes. We, we kind of get a, a flash here uh, where we go back to see the story of what happened to her mom and dad and, and her little brother, or I guess her older brother. Yeah. I do like how they do this here where they, they use the storyboards and the drawings and the, the, the scroll going across here to get the story told where they didn't have enough money to film this giant ass battle scene and all this stuff where Japan's kind of changing and becoming more international and, and becoming less isolationist. They can't film all this. They don't have the money. I mean, they're... But at the same time, it ties very well into the story because later the newspapers start carrying the stories about Lady Snowblood. So I yes. I agree with you. And I also feel that it ties into the film quite well because now she becomes... Her story becomes a, a story that's on paper. That is to be remembered. It serves the story very well. And it, it like you said later, it kind of wraps around and ties into it. It's a great way. It's a great way to get the story told and still maintain a bit of a budget. I couldn't find any budgetary information on this at all. Mm. But it's a low budget film. I mean, Jesus, dude. There's camera you, shake. There's there's moments the camera where the shakes, camera is yeah. just shaking the sh <laughs> like just really shaking. Like a dude yeah. was literally holding it over his head and yeah. lowering it and stuff like that. Like or it was a short guy being literally held under the armpits and yeah. lowered by a man on horseback. Yeah, or like, some <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Like I It's great. You can you can oh when something does some things really really well, you can kind of overlook some of those small technical details. You really can if oh, the yeah. story is compelling and beautiful, and this one really is. Yeah, absolutely. We get a great, the great flashback here of Oyuki's mom and dad, which are Sayo and Go, played by uh, Miyoko Akaza and Masaki Daimon, respectively. And they come across these, you know, gang of shitheads, basically, who grab their son, and they come running over here and 
just accost these two people. He is, he being Oyuki's dad, says he's the new school teacher for the village. And these people are like, fuck you, he's the government man, kill him. And they just kill him straight up. Yeah, these with guys are swords. Like assholes. Like, oh, it's, it's pretty violent as it's fuck. Pretty violent. Like, it's that, it's on that level when they killed, emotionally, it's on that level, like when they killed. Uh, Murphy, Peter Weller's character in RoboCop. You remember how yes. violent that was? Like, you know, yeah. they're killing a family, you know? Like, it's a f- yeah. family. It's a father, a wife, and a and a little boy. And, a boy who's like six. Yeah. Like, he's little. You know, not that that makes it any different, but like, and again, you get the blood shooting out of, of Go here, and the wife is like watching her husband be slaughtered. And that woman, the evil woman, she's laughing the whole time. I really wanted her to die. She's awful. Fuck her. Yeah, I wanted her to die all this. I wanted all these dudes to die. I wanted them all like, to die, but she seems to be the one that takes the glee. Joy. She just seems to really enjoy the cruelty that she and her gang put onto people. Yeah. And I like the, the, the shot there of the blood running out of Go and kind of flowing onto the ground. And you get the shot of the flowers in the foreground blurred. Yeah. With the blood behind it, which, you know, Flowers of Carnage, right? There's the song title right there in visual form. And the the wife, Sayo, runs over to her husband here. And this is where you get the shot that is directly out of the church scene in Kill Bill after the Deadly Viper oh, Squad how kill. how the four of them move in and look down upon and her. Yeah. With the sun behind her, like whatever it is, like the four of them are shot straight up like that. Like right out of the church scene. It's yeah, great shot, really good shot, and the the single tear of Sayo running down her face. It's tremendous. It's it's a very very well done scene that makes you. It's the same scene as when, not that this is taken from it, but it's the same kind of feeling of when those guys break into John Wick's house and stomp his dog. Yeah, and when he buries the dog and he gets all his shit the next morning, and you have that feeling of like, okay, well, anything you do from this point on is totally justified. <laughs> like you yeah. can kill, well, you can kill everybody. <laughs> that's what that's what movies do well. Like they they throw things out of balance. So let's just say, at, you know, at the beginning of the film, things are in balance, and then they do something horrible, which tips the scales in one direction. And the yeah. harder that they tip those scales, the more you want, and the more you actually need. Right for for your own personal closure and enjoyment of the film, you need those scales tipped the other way, and you need them yep. tipped the same amount. So yes, with doing such a horrible killing, like you know, in, like you said, John Wick, they kill a puppy that his wife dying of cancer gave him to remind <laughs> him to be loving and peaceful. Right, and you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> you took a widower whose wife died of cancer or laugh kiss was a puppy and you fucking killed it then you took the man's ride i want you all to die and that's what this does so well because they just kill a little fucking kid and a school teacher and then yeah they don't show it yet but then they do more shit which is when you're just like i want i want retribution for all those four motherfuckers And that concludes part one of the podcast. Come back tomorrow for part two, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for three, four, and the exciting conclusion, part five. If you would like to get the full podcasts again, go to patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast to become a patron. For as low as $5 a month, you can get all of our full podcasts on Sunday night before everybody else. 
If you don't want to do that, you can go to offendedpodcast.com and you can buy some merchandise there. That'll give us a little bit of a help and it'll also give you something cool to rep the podcast that you know you love. You can also follow us on our social media. So go to Twitter at YHOTP, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can just search You Have Offended This Podcast. Leave us your film recommendations there. Anything you want to see, we are open to as long as it has kick and punching and some violence. So we'd love to hear from you. Please engage with us. Please leave us a review anywhere you download your podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. If you could, please also recommend us to your friends, family, loved ones, hated ones. We will take recommendations anywhere we can get them. Thanks once again for listening, and you have offended this podcast. We'll be back in your ears soon.